Hey guys, welcome to the Father's House podcast. In this episode, we had a special guest, Chris Wiggs, talk to us about what it means to go to the Father's house and just bringing that analogy to life in this church. Uh, it was a great analogy, great, great sermon. Hope you guys enjoy it. And if you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. When we got here, Mike was doing youth, and I remember one night, I had to come lock up the youth building because they wouldn't allow Mike to have a set of keys to the youth building, and it ticked me off, and I said, if he is... Hello, glory to God. (laughs) If he's able to lead the youth ministry, you can trust him with a set of keys. Hello? And um, there was a prophetic word that was given before I came to pastor. And the prophetic word was something along the lines of that God was going to send a pastor with the heart of David to pastor the church. And everybody was like, oh, Pastor Chris, you're the guy, you know, you're the guy, you're the fulfillment to the prophecy and all of this stuff. The fulfillment to the prophecy was out in the field, unable to lock the doors to the building but, but he's here now with the heart of David to lead this church to greater things. Amen. And Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever's already been opened in heaven, you're going to open here on earth. And whatever doors have already been closed in heaven, you're going to close here on earth. And I just want to give you the keys, bro. You, you already have them. But, dude, I'm telling you. We, we love you. And we're just super proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I won't be before you long. My ministry philosophy is simple. Hit them high, hit them low, take an offering, let them go. (laughs) Look at this place, man. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. And, And it's good to be here and to feel his presence and to feel his spirit. And I'm just honored that you would have me to come and to preach. Uh, Laura and I and our girls, uh, we're in St. Louis. We planted a church there. God's been super gracious. We're uh, in charge of a church planning network. We're planting churches all across the state of Missouri. And um, we're in a really, really good place. And when Mike invited us to come, I was like, man, are you sure you want me to come? You know, and and I was (laughs) just praying about it. And um, I was like, Lord, what is it that you want to say to your people? And I, I just jotted some things down that I felt were relevant and that the Lord was speaking. And if it's okay with you, I'll just share them with you. And uh, I just want to pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word at the Father's house. 
I've never preached at the Father's house before, and I pray today that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would come. Lord, that you would open up our hearts to hear everything that you have to say to us. I pray that your anointing would be present in this place. God, I pray that everything that's said and done would be pleasing to you. We give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. The title of my message this morning is, It's Good to Be at Dad's House. It's good to be at Dad's house. Now, where I come from, you have to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Oh, that's rough. Let's try it again. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. It's good to be at Dad's house. I am 37, almost 38 years old, and there's still something to me about going to my dad's house. There's that feeling that I get when I pull into the neighborhood and I begin to see the houses and I pull up next to his mailbox and I walk up and uh, I have an access code. Everybody say access to the garage door. So if I come at three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon, all I have to do is punch the access code and I'm granted access into my dad's house. And when I walk up, the door in between is open and I can walk in and there's a place for me to sleep. There's a place for me to sit. There's a place for me to eat and I have access and I am welcome at my dad's house. It's a good place for me. I feel welcome there. I feel like I'm supposed to be there. I can come anytime I want. I can stay as long as I want and I don't have to leave until I get ready to leave because it's my dad's house. Amen? If I want something to eat or drink, I don't have to ask. I can just go in the kitchen and get what I need. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is what God's house is like if we will come to this place of acceptance and understanding of what it really means to be in the Father's house, to be in God's house. And I want to bring you a few things this morning. The first thing is this my dad's house and the Father's house is a place of freedom. It's a place of freedom. It's a place where I can get comfortable. When I go to my dad's house, it's like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I kick off my shoes. I do a wardrobe change. I go put on some basketball shorts. Come on. I put on a T-shirt. I go to the kitchen. I open up the fridge and get whatever diet beverage that I want to get. I plop down on the couch. If my dad's not there, I sit in his chair. Come on, somebody. I go to the thermostat, I turn that mug down because I like it cold. Anything I need is there. It's, It's a place where I can be free. I'm not worried about what anybody thinks about me. I'm not worried about what I gotta do at work. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Hello, somebody, I don't care how I look. I'm just comfortable and I'm excited to be at my dad's house. How many of you know the house of God is supposed to be a place where you can let your hair down, where you can feel comfortable, where it's okay to be yourself, it's okay to come in and you may be a little messed up and you may need a touch from God and the week may have been a little bit difficult, but when you get in the presence of Jesus, you can get comfortable, you can be yourself you can let loose hallelujah did you know that here in the father's house there is a spirit of freedom like I've never felt in this room before they prayed for me in the back and I got man I got a little drunk in the spirit 
Bible says, be ye not drunk with wine wherein is to access, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in this place. I hope you're not just going to sit back and be a spectator. I hope that you'll enter in with everything that you have and that you'll get comfortable. You're at your dad's house. You're at your dad's house. You, you're, it's okay to be here. It's okay to clap your hands here. It's okay to shout. Man, you can wave a flag if you want to wave a flag. You can speak in tongues. You can, you can do whatever you want that is, that is within the realm of worshiping Jesus. Because this is a place of freedom. And it's amazing what happens when you allow the Spirit to move freely. The church begins to grow. Things begin to flow. Good things happen. Amen? Because when the presence of the Lord is in a place, you can't help but respond. Amen? Did you feel His presence this morning? Do you feel His presence? Amen. In 2 Samuel, King David, he's bringing back the ark uh, of the Lord and, and the presence of God literally is resting in this ark and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem and he's pumped up and excited because the presence of God has not been with them for a while and he's bringing this back and so he's just super excited and in 2 Samuel six fourteen it says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, amen? Come on, there were some people up in the club last night that were dancing with all their might. Hello? But there's some people at the Father's house today that were dancing with all their might. And it wasn't because they had some liquor. Come on. It, it wasn't because they were listening to club music. It's because when you experience the presence of God, you can't help but respond. Hallelujah. And so you might dance just a little bit. When the Spirit of the Lord comes upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. He was dancing with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. Man, I loved experiencing worship here today because it wasn't dry and crusty and dead. Huh? Hello? You weren't, you weren't just sitting there going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice, you know. I mean, y'all were getting with it because you've been set free by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Oh, I love it. Verse 16, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David... Michael, this was David's wife, the daughter of Saul, she looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. And when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Hey, let me just let you in on a little something. Not everybody is going to understand the freedom that you have, and that's okay. Hello? Not everybody's going to understand the level of freedom that you have until they experience it for themselves. But it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It just matters what your daddy says. Come on, somebody. And so not everybody will have an understanding of what's happening in this house. 
not even everybody in this community and in this city, but there's enough people in this community I mean, I'm already seeing it. It's incredible that are gonna get a taste of what freedom really looks like, of what true hope really looks like. And you know, there might be some Michaels who wanna look down and say, oh, look at you getting undistinguished. And you know what David said? He said, I will become even more undignified than this. If you thought me snotting and crying at the altar was one thing, when you see me running across the room, just remember that I was in a dark place. I was in a desperate place. I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't know how I was going to... But Jesus reached down and he got a hold of me and he turned me around. And so I got to dance just a little bit. Hey! I got to dance. I got to shout. I got to give him praise for what he's done. Glory to God. Whoo, Jesus. You know, if you look at the text, you'll see that with David were men and women, people from different parts of the kingdom. Guess where his wife could have been? She could have been with him. She could have been with him, but instead she was, my God. And David, hallelujah, she could have been with him, but instead she was looking down on him. Are you going to be a participator or are you going to be a spectator? Come on. What kind of tater are you? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Mike told me that doesn't work. A participator is not a tater. It's close enough. This is Kentucky. Come on, somebody. I love it. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. But it was awkward in the house for a while. And all his family, he appointed me as leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. And so Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. You better watch it. <laughs> Hello? He said, I'll become even more undignified than this. This is a place of freedom, amen? You might as well get free. Look at your neighbor and tell him you might as well get free. Number two, my dad's house is a place of growth. It's a place of growth. Growing up in the kitchen, we had a spot where we kept a record of how tall we were. Anybody have that growing up? As a matter of fact, I was talking to Katrina, secretary here, and when our girls were little, she had a growing chart for them in her office. She said, I still have it. I haven't even painted over it. But when we were little, we would come into the kitchen every, every so often, every few months, and dad would have us stand. You know, we're trying to stand on our tippy toes, you know, see who's taller, you know. And he'd get a pencil out, and he'd mark above our head uh, just to see where we had grown. And it was amazing. Over the years, we grew and, and, and we got taller and, and, you know, we moved away from that house. It's probably been painted on, but the growth that happened is still, I mean, I grew a lot. Hallelujah. I grew big and strong and Christians are supposed to be growing people. Amen. Christians are supposed to be growing people. Following Jesus is much more than a one-time event. We put so much focus on bow your heads, close your eyes, raise your hand. If you're here today, say this prayer. I'd do it with the best. I'm the best one at that. 
Nobody can do that better than me. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Pray this prayer after me, right? That's fine. That is just step one, right? That's just fire insurance. Come on, somebody. You know, some people, I just don't want to go to hell. There is so much more than just not going to hell. There is so much more than just not going to hell. There is an abundant life that is here right now waiting for you. The presence of Jesus is here. This is not just a get out of hell free card. This is an ongoing salvation. A true Christian life will always be marked by growth. You got to be growing. What good is a saving work if it isn't a sanctifying work? My God, what good is a saving work if it isn't a sanctifying work? Sanctification being the process in which we become more holy and more set apart and more like Jesus because the longer I'm around him, I can't help but to start acting like him and looking like him and talking like him. Come on, somebody. And walking like him because the sanctifying work of Jesus is at work in my life and I'm growing. I'm still growing. Hallelujah. I thank God for it. You know, I'm a better person today than I was five years ago. I'm more like Jesus today. That's not a braggy thing. I'm still not like him like I should be. But I'm more like him today than I was then. And I hope next year I'm more like him. And if you are in a place of stagnant, just sitting there, Jesus is saying, hey, there's more for you. There is a sanctifying work. 2 Thessalonians 2, I love this, 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits. listen to this, to be saved through the sanctifying, everybody say sanctifying, the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. It's not just the belief in the truth, it's also the sanctifying power of the Spirit of God on the inside of you when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and he says, hey, that ain't it, baby. That's not what you should have said. That's not what you should have done. You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Does the Holy Spirit have permission to come into your life? He's a gentleman and he's not going to push and prod you if you don't want him around. But if you want to grow, if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want that sanctifying work, hallelujah, it's available. Can I preach just a little longer? Hallelujah. I'm the fastest preacher back in the Midwest in St. Louis. I'm the fastest preacher. I guess I'm in the South now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I love about Mike and Maddie? They, they just want people to grow. That's it. They're not looking for people just to stay at a surface level. It's not just about how many butts are in the seat to them. It's not just about nickels and noses, money and people. It's about growth, amen? You know, you know a good father disciplines his children because he wants them to grow. Let me say it again over here. A good father disciplines his children because he wants them to grow. Amen? I remember one time, it was crazy at my house. I was rebellious, out of my mind, 15 years old. 
I was angry. I had issues with my mom and I was ticked off. And it was me and my dad at the house and I had punched a hole in my door. And I took the remote control and I threw it across the room and I broke it into a million pieces. And that was it for my dad. If you've ever seen my dad, he is not a large man. He is not a big man. He doesn't look like a strong man. And I was way bigger than him. I was a big old boy. And he said, you stop that or I'm going to put you on the ground. And I said, I'd like to see you try. You and what army, you know? Listen, that man didn't hit me. He didn't hurt me. Somehow, miraculously, by the power of God, he physically put me on the ground quicker than I'd ever seen in my life. And he looked me in the eye and he had me down and I'm trying with everything I can to get up and he's looking at me and I'm thinking, who is this guy? And he's like, are you done? I'm like, yes, sir. I am done. You think I ever threw and broke another remote in that house? Come on, somebody. Because a good father will discipline his children. And growing Christians will come into a house where there is a, a, an ability to be disciplined and held accountable and, and, and to be called out on your stuff because you need to grow. My brother, hallelujah. My brother, man, he drives me crazy. He's a prophet. And he's always calling me with news from the Lord that's like not always what I want to hear, you know? He'd be like, Chris, I've got a word. I'm like, are you sure, man? I don't think I need to hear another one of your words, you know? <laughs> when we moved to Owensboro, he said, Chris, I think I got a word for you. I said, oh, good. He said, it's about moving, you moving to Owensboro. And I said, uh, great what is it he said God says you're going to die out there <laughs> that's what he said to me I said oh good I'm going to live a long life in Owensboro I'm going to die a happy old man I, I remember very clearly Shirley we were sitting in the office and I had said something to her that I thought may have been offensive. I didn't mean to. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And she looked at me and she laughed and she said, offend me? She said, you can't offend me. I'm dead. And I realized at that point that God was going to kill me while I was here. <laughs> and he did. You know why? Because he loves me. Because he loves me. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son and daughter. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Listen to this. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not 
legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Skip to verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. I am thankful that my dad put me on the ground, come on, and set me straight. You know, he used to say to me, Chris, you're going to be a great leader one day, but first you're going to have to learn how to follow. And I say that to my 12-year-old daughter every day because she's going to be a great leader, an entrepreneur. She's going to be in charge of a lot of different things. That's just who she is. And I tell her, but honey, you're first going to have to learn how to follow. Hallelujah. Woo. Number three, I told you. I'm almost done. If somebody wants to play a piano. Not only is the Father's house a place of growth, it's a place of freedom, but it's also a place of resources and equipping. It's a place of resources and equipping. There was a time in my life when I was broke. Anybody ever been broke? I was so poor I couldn't pay attention. Hello? And I did what any buddy does. I called my dad. I said, hey, I'm flat, bro. Can I borrow a little money? He said, how much do you need? And I said, I thought to myself, well, let me just think about just a little amount of money that could barely get us by. You know, because you're prideful, Right? And I said, could you float us 200? And he said, is that enough? And I said, no. (laughs) And he said to me, what do you need? I said, I need 500. I need 500. Right? So what did he do? He gave me 500. He said, Chris, I'm not interested in what you can just get by on. I want to make sure that you have everything you need. You're my son. I don't want you to suffer. What do you need? What do you need? Some of you are saying, you've already said it to yourself, man, I wish I had a dad Like Chris's dad, he's a good dad. He is. But you know what? You've got an even better father. Some of y'all, your earthly dad wasn't worth a flip. It doesn't matter. Your heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the potatoes underneath. Do you understand what I... That's meat and potatoes. Come on, somebody. That's your father. You know that? He wants to resource us and equip us with everything that we need. We say to God, oh God, if you could just do this little thing, I'll never ask you for anything again. And God's like, it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Golly. 
Lord, if you could just do this little thing. And he looks at you and he says, what do you need? That's not enough. What do you need? A little more scripture. Hallelujah. This is a house of resources. This is a house of equipping. Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave. Everybody say gave. What does it mean when he said he gave? That's what? Resources. Who are the resources he gave? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. For what purpose? To preach on Sunday mornings? To visit the sick? No. To equip. Everybody say equip. To equip means the bringing of someone or something to completion, perfect and adequate in every respect and fit for some purpose. That means adequate, complete everything that you need, not lacking anything. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. Pastor Chris, I'm not sure... Does God still have apostles and prophets and all that? How long is that going to last? The Bible says it lasts this long, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't there yet. God said, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to resource you. I'm going to give you Pastor Mike. We give you Pastor Daryl. We give you Pastor Faith. Is that right? Because I love you, because I want to resource you, because I want to equip you. What happens to equipped people? They stop being infants. Tossed back and forth by the waves. You're immature in your faith. It's because you haven't come and gotten equipped and resourced. Equipped people aren't blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You know what they do instead? They speak the truth in love. And they grow in every respect until they're mature. What do you need? What do you need? Well, it'd be nice if God could. He can. He can. He looked at him and he said, do you want to be made well? Every day before I take my kids to school, I ask them, do you have everything you need? Do you have your homework? Do you have your gym shoes? Do you have your computer? Because I'm a good father. And I want them to have everything they need. This is your father's house. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High. What do you need? Prayer team, would you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, stand with me all across this room. What do you need? It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to put a robe on you, a a ring on your finger, and kill the fatted calf. This is home! What do you need from God? Would you come this morning and receive whatever it is you need from the Lord? Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, if there's anybody here that needs to give their life to Jesus, if you need to be born again, we just encourage you to come before you go, to come down to the altars. You can get out of your seat and come now. If you need to give your life over to him, if you need to be born again, and you need to receive Jesus' forgiveness of your sins, before you go, we'd love to have you come. Can we just close our eyes around this room? Let's pray that God, everything Pastor Chris said this morning would just go deep into our hearts this morning, that we would just receive it, that that word would go into our hearts and it would bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100. It would just, it would multiply. Father, we bless your people. So if you need healing in your body, if you need prayer for anything to partner with, you go ahead and get out of your seats and come. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor. Say, do you need any prayer? And if they say yes, say, let's go. I'll go with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Can we just give God a a hand clap of praise in this place this morning? Awesome. Can we give it up for Pastor Chris and his wife and his family that are here this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just bless your people. Bless the Father's house, Lord. Bless their families. Bless their finances. Have your way. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. You guys have a good week. We love you.